Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new exclusive discount code for thebeardstruggle.com. Ladies, you know that man in your life with the big, beautiful beard? Or the one trying to grow a beard, even if it's just a little stubble? Well, what you might not know is that the skin underneath all that face fur can get dried out and super itchy, causing scratching that leads to flaking, and if there's anything worse than head dandruff, it's beard dandruff. That's why we've teamed up with thebeardstruggle.com. They know what goes into having a big, glorious beard, hence the name. And they've created some of the best products in the market to help the man in your life tame those majestic chin locks and soothe the skin underneath. Be it the day and night oils, which keep the beard soft and the skin moisturized, and they smell great, by the way. Or the beard straightener that calms those extra curly face hairs and makes that beard look fuller and healthier. Kevin uses these products, and his beard has never looked, felt, or smelled better. And I I really enjoy playing with his beard now. Thebeardstruggle.com uses 100% all-natural ingredients. They never test on animals and have a 90-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to thebeardstruggle.com, all one word, or click on the link in the show notes. And don't forget to use our exclusive discount code, AUDIO15, for 15% off at checkout. That's A-U-D-I-O-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. Go now. Yes, it is. Yay, we have sound. <laughs> and a barking dog. There you are with your Coheed and Cambria and your Harry Potter. And I got my Sell Your Soul Economics for Children shirt. I haven't gotten to wear it in a, a year, so. Oh, yeah, because you're always working. Yeah, so threw it on. Pretty happy about it. Yes. All right. What do you got? Um. Okay, it's... Not technically book-related, but it kind of is. Okay. Okay, so Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 3 has been pushed up another year. Yeah. And WB has asked Johnny Depp to step down as Grindelwald. Yeah, because of the libel case that he lost. Because of the shit with Amber Heard. Yeah. Fuck Amber Heard. Okay. Okay. Uh... Hundreds of thousands of people have gone on to Change.org and other areas of the internet to sign petitions to get Johnny Depp back as Grindelwald. Not exactly what Change.org was set up for, but okay. So I want everybody who listens to go... To change.org and sign the petition to get our Grindelwald back. I mean, is it really that big of a deal? Yes, because you can He's been. He was Grindelwald in the first. He was Grindelwald in okay, the second. How many, and now, how are they going to replace him? I I don't know. They replaced Dumbledore because Richard Harris died. Okay, they still did it. Yes, they, they figured out a way. Richard Harris was still the best Dumbledore. Okay. Still. But it's it's not only that. We've had three getting... hulks. I mean, come on. 
they'll manage. It, that's not the only reason. Amber Heard was the one who abused Johnny Depp. She's a stupid fucking cunt. She she did. And she, WB is letting her be in the next Aquaman movie. Okay, she did abuse him, yes, but from what I understand, he he gave it almost as good as he received. He was pushed to that limit, and I'm not condoning physical no. violence in any type of relationship. Unless she's, not, unless she's coming at you with a knife or a gun, I don't think you're really getting pushed to that limit, or drowned in one of your kids. She went. She was on audio saying that she was throwing vases and pots and pans and all sorts of shit at him. Okay. So, but the thing is, if she was on tape admitting to all this type of violence, why are they letting her stay in her movie and not letting Johnny Depp stay in his movie? Because I guarantee that um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them made way more money than Aquaman did. Oh, I don't know about that. We'd have to look it up, but I'm, I, I think the franchise way, made way more money. Okay. Um... Where to find them grossed two hundred thirty-four million in the U.S. and Canada, five hundred eighty million in other countries for a total of eight hundred fourteen. Uh, what was the name of the second one? Crimes of Grindelwald. You know what? I'm just gonna put two. There we go. And let's see, Crimes of Grim- Grindelwald grossed one hundred sixty in the U.S., Canada, four ninety-five in other territories. So six hundred and fifty-five million worldwide. On a budget of two hundred million. So that brings it down to they made four hundred four hundred and fifty-five million off of it. Okay, so well, they hate to tell you. Aquaman grossed three hundred and thirty-five point one million in the US and Canada, eight hundred and twelve point six million around the world, one point one four eight billion dollars worldwide for that one movie. That is why Amber Heard is staying on for Aquaman and Johnny Depp is leaving for Fantastic Beasts. Because that one movie made more than those two movies. That's so bullshit. I don't know what to tell. Listen, I'm not saying it's not bullshit. I'm not saying that she should be able to get away with the shit she did. And she's a horrible actress anyway. Okay, okay. That's not the point. The point is, she shouldn't be able to get away with the shit she did, but he also shouldn't be getting away with whatever shit he pulled because it wasn't just one of them beating up the other one and Johnny Depp is not some innocent martyr in all this he he definitely played a part in a lot of the shit now i can't stand here and sit here and say that i have all the proof of every single thing that Johnny Depp did but you know that it wasn't just her beating the fuck out of him and him being this perfect little boy in all of it he i mean i'm sure he put out just as much as he took and there's a lot of stories of him you know passing out all over their house drunk and you know neglecting her and all this other shit so I don't know you can be wherever you want in this fight at the end of the day they're going to go with who they think is going to make them more money and if the Fantastic Beast movies aren't making as much money as the Aquaman movies they might want to keep all their stars for Aquaman and not for Fantastic Beasts, especially yep. when they have so many people, so many big names in those Fantastic Beasts movies that they're going to be paying. Johnny Depp probably takes in a lot of that money from them. 
Yeah, but the person that is bringing in the money in the Aquaman movies is Jason Momoa, not Amber Heard. Well, yeah, but... They could replace Amber Heard. Nobody gives a shit about her. Johnny Depp wasn't the one who was bringing in the movie for the Fantastic Beast movie. No, it was... Uh... Eddie Redmayne. Redmayne. Yeah. yeah, Eddie Redmayne yeah. and Colin, Colin, Colin Farrell. And... Uh... Flash. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember his. Uh, um, Ezra Miller. Yeah, Ezra Miller. And I knew it was Miller. I just couldn't think of his first name. Ezra Miller. Okay. And the guy who played Jacob Kowalski. And yeah, Jim okay. And, and every. Okay, so you're going to those movies to see the group of people. You're going to Aquaman to see Jason Momoa. So you. It just feels like there's going to be more money spread around actor wise. With Fantastic Beasts and no Johnny Depp means a good chunk of change gets left on the table. I don't know what to tell you. I doubt Amber Heard's making as much for her part as Johnny Depp is for his. I could be wrong, but... I don't know. Hashtag justice for Johnny. Okay. Sign the petition, because if that bitch gets to be in a film, so does he. He's been in plenty. He's been in a few. Yeah, I know, but I mean, he he was asked to step down from a role that people love. It's not going to be Fantastic Beasts without him. Okay, I don't know what to tell you. And Colin Farrell said he's not going to reprise the role either. So it has to be Johnny. I mean, the Fantastic Beasts movies haven't been near as well received as the Harry Potter movies, so... It came down to it, nobody wanted to return. They would just say, fuck it, and just not do a third movie. Are you trying to make me cry? No, I'm just... I'm then just, shut the fuck up. The Fantastic Beasts movies weren't as well received as the yes, original Yes, they no, were. No, they weren't. The you fi- know nothing, I, Jon Snow. I might not be a huge Harry Potter fan, and I might not be you know, love everything Harry Potter, but I do look at like the movie sites and shit and no fantastic beasts the those movies aren't as well received as the original harry potter series just because you love everything harry potter doesn't mean everybody else does true fans love them okay but they really aren't making the movies for the true fans they're making them the the movies for the people who are going to come out and spend the money yeah and the true fans are going to spend the money as Look at as, all the birds. Uh, apparently, not as much as they did for Aquaman. Fuck Aquaman. Well, fuck DC. I agree, but they have more true fans apparently than Harry Potter does. Otherwise, Fantastic Beasts would have been a billion dollars. I think they're just Jason Momoa fans. That's a possibility. Because they get to see him half naked. Maybe. Yeah, that's a possibility. Oh. And to be honest, I thought he was more attractive when he was taking off those muscles in that commercial. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Okay, what do you have? All right, so uh, the first thing is, uh, do you know what the, so by Collins Dictionary, what the word of the year is? Uh, shit show? No, oh. actual word of the year. No. Lockdown. Lockdown. Lockdown uh. is, a, I, it could have been pandemic, could have been quarantine, but they gave it to lockdown. So that's just a little thing. But our main story for today uh, takes us back to a series that we did a couple months ago. 
Stephanie, your uh, kindred spirit, your soulmate from a separate century, Mary Wollstonecraft, finally honored with statue after 200 years. Is this the thing that's supposed to make me really happy? Yes. Yay! So it shows a silk... The, I will show you a picture of the statue, and I will post it on our, our Twitter and our Instagram. It's not the most flattering statue. It's not as bad as the Lucille Ball one that they put out a few years ago, which is just horrible. This is a weird one, though. So it shows a silverly, silvery, naked every woman figure emerging free and defiantly from a swirling mingle of female forms and... Thanks to a ten-year-old slog of fundraising, is the world's only memorial sculpture to a woman known as the mother of feminism. And I got this from uh, the Guardian, uh, Mark Brown, their art correspondent. Uh, "Quote: It will definitely start a conversation," said the writer B. Rollett, who has led the campaign to get a sculpture celebrating Mary Wollstonecraft in Newington Green, North London, which we have talked about. It'll definitely promote comment and debate, and that's good. That's what Mary did all her life. The campaign was launched in 2010 by volunteers keen to have Wollstonecraft's legacy remembered close to where she lived and worked, setting up a girls' boarding school in Newington Green at age 25, even though it didn't last very long. A role it recalled a decade ago becoming fixated on why Wollstonecraft, Wollstonecraft wasn't better known and what could have been done to make her place in the canon more secure. You can thank her husband for that. Quote, People haven't heard of Mary Wollstonecraft, and when you discover more about her, that is actually quite astonishing. She was someone who just never gave up. She always fought for others. She was a badass, and it cost her. And that's about as true a statement as you can give for Mary Wollstonecraft. She was a badass, and it cost her. And her husband had a big part of fucking up her reputation but posthumously so the statue it's just this mangle of like forms like silver forms and out of the middle of it is just the, the picture i looked at makes it look small it could be bigger in real life uh there's just this like little woman figure with just a plain face completely naked tits out and big bush <laughs> <laughs> I looked at that. I was like, "Whoa, okay, not was what I was expecting with the Mary Wollstone." It, I see that. I do not think Mary Wollstonecraft at all. I mean, she no shave November. She'd be all for that. It was the seventeen hundreds. They weren't shaving anything anyway. Well, I mean, she'd be all for it though, and free the titties. Uh, I mean, yeah, but free the tatas. I see ladies. it. I don't think Mary Wollstonecraft, and uh, she's getting so her name will be on it. She's getting something. They couldn't do a big like spectacular uh, unveiling because of the pandemic. They didn't, you know, people over in England are a little bit more responsible than we are about getting in big groups. So they didn't get a big group of people to do the unveiling. So they did it, um, I guess, on the Internet. You could still go on the Internet and see it, I guess. Uh, I saw the picture, and I will post it again. I will show you when we get off of here. It's it's, it's, it's something. <laughs> you're going to look at it, you're going to go, that's a lot of bush. <laughs> a big, chunky, silvery bush. I mean, I'd free my tatas, but they're too big. I have to have a... You know. Over the shoulder boulder holder. 
All right, well, let's get to our four books of the week. So our fiction book this week uh, is is more for me than it is for you, Stephanie. Is uh, that what you're going to do from now on? Big Silvery Bush? No. <laughs> no, I'm not that old, not yet. Pick out books for you instead of me. No, I just saw this. I thought it was interesting, and it's... Um, also a charity thing, so that's why I picked it mostly. Okay. Okay. It's called, From a Certain Point of View, The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars. And oh, it's by various authors. Now, celebrate the legacy of The Empire Strikes Back, the best of all the movies. I don't give a shit what anybody else says. With this exciting reimagining of the timeless film featuring new perspectives from 40 acclaimed authors. On May 21st, 1980, Star Wars became the true saga with the release of The Empire Strikes Back. In honor of the 40th anniversary, 40 storytellers recreate an iconic scene from The Empire Strikes Back through the eyes of a supporting character. From heroes and villains to droids and creatures, From a Certain Point of View features con contributions by best-selling authors and trend-setting artists like Austin Walker, Explores the unlikely partnership of bounty hunters Dengar and IG-88 as they pursue Han Solo. Hank Green chronicles the life of, naturalist, of a naturalist caring for Tauntauns on the frozen world of Hoth. Tracy Dion delves into the dark heart of the Dagobah cave where Luke confronts a terrifying vision. Martha Wells reveals the world of the Yugnot clan who dwell in the depths of Cloud City. Mark Oshiro recounts the Wampa's tragic tale of loss and survival. Seth Dixon interrogates the cost of serving a ruthless empire aboard the bridge of a doomed imperial ship. So they're just what it says. They're pretty much looking at the at these. Huge scenes from the movie from somebody else's perspective, which I love when people do this shit. Is Jar Jar Binks in it? <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed <laughs> on so many levels. Not, not just one. Not just the fact that <coughs> Jar Jar Binks is maybe the worst character to ever be created in anything ever. Secondly, wrong movie. Thirdly, wrong string of movies. Not even the same saga of movies. So I don't. Okay, no, so he's not. He's not in it. I don't particularly care for Star Wars. I've Fine. seen all the movies except for the last two new ones. Yeah. Um, I'm more of a Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter person. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I love the Shire. That's fine. There's a lot of people that don't like Star Wars, and that's fine. Uh, at least I've seen them, though. Yeah. You still need to watch The Mandalorian, because The Mandalorian is maybe the best thing to ever come out of the I've Star Wars I've watched world. a couple episodes it's when amazing. I came in I on it. you watching them. Okay. But it's... Before I watched all the episodes with you... I had an ex-boyfriend made me watch them and they put me to sleep. Yeah. That's how what Star Wars did to me. Okay. Um, but the thing is, eh. And the only thing that kept me interested was the one with Jar Jar Binks in it. He's in, okay. 
Technically, he's in more than one, but he's only Jar Jar at his Jar Jariest in one. When they go to Jar Jar's world, that's the one. I don't remember Naboo. the name. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, all you Star Wars fans hate Jar Jar, but yet the I've, who created it? George Lucas. Yes, George Lucas. He created the movies. He created Jar Jar. And you guys all hate it, even though it's part of this okay, whole so, creation. Okay, so, yeah, George Lucas created it. But, again, just like anything else, you don't have to love everything somebody creates. Just because so, is it you, like just me because, hating Umbridge? Yes. just be, well, No, because you hate Umbridge because she's evil. We hate Jar Jar because he's a fucking idiot. And he's just a horrible character. He's annoying as shit. Everybody was waiting for Jar Jar to get his fucking face blown off. And then you would have hear, heard, like, Avengers Endgame type cheering. Because everybody's standing up when you see Spider-Man swing back in or Falcon fly over saying, on your left, and everybody stands up and cheers or Captain America catches the, the hammer and says, Avengers assemble, and you get the fucking goosebumps. That's what would have happened if they would have shot Jar Jar Binks in the fucking face. I mean, that's kind of what happened when... The centaurs dragged Umbridge away. Well, there you go. But that never happened in Star Wars. He ends up becoming like a fucking senator, and, and it's fucking stupid. Anyway, there are more hilarious, heartbreaking, and astonishing tales from, and I'm going to read off the rest of the authors just to get them out there. Shut up, cat! Fuck. Oh, my poor kitty. Your cats are fine. Tom Engelberg, Engelberger, Sarawat Shada, S.A. Chakrabordi, Mike Chen, Adam Christopher, Katie Cook, Zoraida Cordova, Delilah S. Dawson, Alexander Freed, Jason Fry, Christy Golden, Robert Hart, Lydia Kang, Michael Coggy, or Cog, I'm, I apologize if I pronounce your last name incorrectly, R.F. Quang, C.B. Lee, Mackenzie Lee, John Jackson Miller, Michael, I'm guessing it's Morrissey, M-O-R-E-C-I. Morsi? Morsi? Yeah. Okay. Morsi. Daniel Joe's Older, Amy Ratcliffe, Beth Rivas, Lilium Riviera, Cameron Scott, Emily Skrutsky, Karen Strong, Anne Toole, Catherine M. Valent, Django Wexler, Kirsten White, Gary Witta, Brittany N. Williams, Charles Yu, and Jim Zub. So there's a lot of Authors in there, I apologize if I mispronounce anybody's name. There's a lot of them and they had to fly through them. Told you not to bring her in here. I'm bleeding. Uh -huh. All participating authors have generously foregone any compensation for their stories. Instead, their, pro their proceeds will be donated to First Book, a leading nonprofit that provides new books, learning materials, and other essentials to educators and organizations serving children in need. To further celebrate the launch of this book and both companies' longstanding relationships with First Book, Penguin, Penguin Random House will donate $100,000 to First Book and Disney Lucasfilms will donate 100,000 children's books valued at a million dollars to support First Book and their mission of providing equal access to quality education. From Delray Books... I believe it came out November 3rd. If not, it comes out this coming Tuesday. 576 pages. So there's a lot of stuff in there for you to enjoy. It's a big book. And and good for them for giving to uh, 
this charity that helps out educators and 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 all that. I know it's not something you were by, but I would definitely look into getting it. Well, I mean, I might buy it for uh, one of my sons for his for Christmas or his go. birthday because he he loves Star Wars yeah. too. Our nonfiction that this was the one I was going to do last week until I changed it the last minute. Nazi Wives, The Women at the Top of Hitler's Germany by James Wiley. Gore, Goebbels, Himmler, Heydrich, Hess, Bormann. Names synonymous with power and influence in the Third Reich. Perhaps less familiar, Karen, Emmy, Magda, Marguerite, Lynn, Isla, and Gerda. These are the women behind the infamous men, complex individuals with distinctive personalities who were captivated by Hitler and whose everyday lives were governed by Nazi ideology. Throughout the rise and fall of Nazism, these women loved and lost race family and families and quarreled with their husbands and each other, all the while jostling for position with the Fuhrer himself. Until now, they have been treated as minor characters, their significance ignored as if they were unaware of their husband's murderous acts, despite the evidence that all it was all around them, the stolen art on their walls, the slave labor in their homes, and the produce grown in concentration camps on their table. James Wiley's Nazi Wives explores these women in detail for the first time, skillfully interweaving their stories through the years of struggle, power, decline, and destruction into the post-war twilight of denial and delusion. St. Martin's Press, November 2020, 288 pages. I think that would be an interesting nonfiction book. I, I think it'd be very interesting. I, I love that type of stuff. I like I like learning about World War II. Yeah. That, that was always my favorite history Because subject. it's got so much shit going on. It's not just, you know... Hitler's the evil guy and we're fighting him. There were so many different stories at play, even between us and, and Russia and, and England and how we got into the war. And, you know, even after Germany fell and the Axis seemed to be dissolving, Japan was still coming after us. And, and it was this whole thing. It was it, it probably the most complex war you could say all you want that Civil War was complex, but it, it wasn't. No, it was um, just World War One was very complex because of the the interior struggles that were going on between the European countries and leading to the assassination of Archduke uh, Ferdinand and and his and um, everything that went into that. There's actually a really good uh, podcast. I want to say it's. History that doesn't suck. I think that's the name of it. It's like it, and it's like four-hour episodes that he puts out, like months in between, because he does all the research and doesn't put out anything until it's great. But you can learn. There's like twenty hours of just shit on World War One, and it's fucking fantastic. You can learn everything you want to learn. But World War Two is just so complex. It's got so much shit going on that I think a lot of people kind of gravitate to that one because one, a lot of shit. Two, we want it. Vietnam had a lot of complex shit going on too, but we didn't win that one, so nobody really wants to study it too much. Because, but you know, I I think it's fun. I think it I think it'd be a good read. Yeah, I think we should get it. I think that might be one we get. Our kids' book. Uh, I changed up the last minute again. Is this is your time by Ruby Bridges? Does the name Ruby Bridges ring a bell to you? You may have read about her in history class. 
I don't recall. History class in Illinois, you might have heard of her history class when you lived down in the South. You probably didn't because it's something that they are not too fond of down there. But written as a letter from civil rights activist and icon Ruby Bridges to the reader, This Is Your Time is both a recounting of Ruby's experience as a child who had no choice but to be escorted to class by federal marshals when she was chosen as one of the first black students to integrate New Orleans' all-white public school system and an appeal to gen- to generations to come to affect change. Now do you know who she is? The, that, that iconic picture of the little black girl in the dress yes. being marched into school? That's her. Yes, I don't She wrote the book. I doubt they taught that in the South. I doubt it, too. Maybe in New Orleans, but probably not. Maybe now, but not then. Uh, This beautifully designed volume features historical photographs from the 1960s and from today, as well as a stunning jacket art from The Problem We All Live With, the 1964 painting by Norman Rockwell of Ruby's Walk to School. Ruby's honest and impassioned words imbued with love and grace serve as a moving reminder that what can inspire tomorrow often lies in our past. This is your time will electrify people of all ages as the struggle for liberty and justice for all continues and the powerful legacy of Ruby Bridges endures. From Delacorte Press, November 2020, 64 pages, ages 8 to 12. And just on a little side note, Ruby's mother just recently passed away. So that kind of adds on top of it. but. So you look at those pictures of her being walked into school. That was the fucking 60s. That wasn't that long. Our parents were alive. My parents were alive when this was happening. And not like just barely alive. Like my parents were teenagers. Damn near. My parents were infants. So, I mean, this this wasn't that long ago. So uh, this would be a great book to get for your kids to show them, one, how far we actually have uh, come, and two, how much further we still need to go. Yes. And what it was really, because kids complain about having to do things, but it takes courage to be marched into a school with federal marshals for your own protection because nobody wants you there. As we, as you were sitting there reading that, I was like, I need to get that for my daughter. She was throwing a fit about having to wear a coat to school this morning. And I, we constantly try to put things into perspective for her. She does like to read. I think she needs to read this book. So, yeah, I, honestly, I think it's a book that every kid should, should read and, and learn from. Because this type of stuff doesn't always get taught. In schools, they they gloss over a lot of stuff in history class, depending on what school you go. Like the the Tulsa massacre, I didn't find out till, about the Tulsa massacre until I was in my fucking thirties. The fuck Black Wall Street getting burned to the ground by a bunch of racist motherfuckers. I didn't learn about that till I was in my thirties. That's a huge part of American history. This is the type of shit that it it needs to be just generalized. All over the country of you got to learn this stuff, whether whether you want to or not, you're going to learn it because you the only way to uh, not repeat history is to learn from it. All right. And our young adult novel for this week is Teen Killers Club by Lily Sparks. 
17-year-old Signal Deer has raised eyebrows for years as an unhappy goth misfit from the trailer park. Once she's convicted of her best friend Rose's brutal murder, she's designated a Class A, the most dangerous and manipulative criminal profile. To avoid prison, Signal signs on for a secret program for 18 and under Class A's and is whisked off to an abandoned sleepaway camp where she and seven bunkmates will train as assassins. Yet, even in the Teen Killers Club, Signal doesn't fit in. She's squeamish around blood, she's kind and empathetic, and her optimistic attitude is threatening to turn a group of ragtag maniacs into a team of close-knit friends. Maybe that's because Signal's not really a killer. She was framed for Rose's murder and only joined the program to escape track down Rose's real killer, and clear her name. But Signal never planned on the sinister technologies that keep the campers confined. She never planned on the mysterious man in the woods determined to pick them off one by one. And she certainly never planned on falling in love. Signal's strategy is coming apart at the seams as the true killer prepares to strike again in Teen Killers Club. Go down. Crooked Lane Books, November 2020, 263 pages, so not super long, ages 10 and up. Hmm. Seems kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's why I picked it, because it seemed kind of neat. I mean, it's piqued my interest. Most of the YA novels I have on here piques your interest. So do the fiction books, because they're mostly adult contemporary. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah, that's so. my genre. Yeah, it, the, the fine line between YA and adult contemporary. It doesn't seem like there's any, like, fantasy, sci-fi, real stuff in here. That's, you like to, you kind of skim more for the fantasy than the sci-fi, but that's more your thing. But when it says um, sinister technology that keeps the campers confined, first thing popped in my head, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I I get, I, I like that. Yeah. Because it's like... Cabin in the Woods, Hunger Games, something that's keeping them... In there, I I just want to imagine like a big, just a big force field around like everything. Chris Hemsworth on. flying into it, exploding. That show we watched, uh, the witches thing, um, Fort Salem. Fort, yeah, is it Fort Salem? I think so. Motherland, Fort Salem. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. But they were they're not witches in the book. They're just no, I know psychos. Yeah, they're a tra- they're training to become assassins. Yeah, oh, like um, uh, that that other show that we <laughs> that we watched about uh, the the school for assassins. Um, we watched that the same time we were it was on Sci Fi. We watched that the same time we were watching uh, Umbrella Academy. Oh yeah, um, you know you know what I'm um Deadly Class. Yeah, yeah. Deadly Class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it. That was a long trip to get just two TV shows down, but we got it. Yeah, so it's uh, like a mixture between those without any magic. Yeah, without the magic. I do want to find out about the uh, the technology and the mysterious man. Not too worried about her falling in love, because that seems like it's a YA thing. That's somebody's, why it's a YA Somebody's thing. always going to fall in love in a YA now. But, but the rest of the stuff, the man picking them off one by one in the woods. and so she, she probably falls in love with someone in her group. I would imagine. Yeah. That's usually how. Or maybe she falls in love with a mysterious man. The man that's trying to kill her in yeah. the woods. <laughs> 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 I have to get the root book and fucking read it. Yeah, I know. And now I'm 
Like, let's get it. <laughs> All right. Well, before you get it, why don't we give our socials out? So. Okay. On the Twitter and Gram, we are at OpenAFING Book, and I am at ECJBAT. I am at YoungETM6 on Twitter, YoungETAM on Instagram. Really, no point in looking at either one of them because I'm never on either one to post anything. I always post both on on both of our Instagram and Twitters for the open and effing book. So if you want to get a hold of me, that's usually where you get a hold of me at. Email openaffingbook at gmail.com. Uh, Stephanie, our Goodreads. Goodreads.com backslash book. You need to say backslash or just slash. I think people mostly just know it's slash. I like to say backslash because it's the backslash and not the forward slash. Fair enough. Uh, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash open and effing book. Get, uh, we got open AF. I keep saying it because I'm so used to F, I say N, effing. And so it's open A effing book. Open A effing book. Uh, go to our Patreon. Uh, plenty of stickers up there. You can get unedited episodes, uh, ad free episodes, early episodes. And when we do have some merch, you'll get first crack at whatever we have up there. And all the donations go to make this show better than what it is. Good luck, right? Yeah. <laughs> go to my wife's Etsy page, etsy.com slash shops slash Stephanie Young Art. Get some of the soaps. She has some, making some Thanksgiving soaps. There's already some on there. Some on there. Good smelling. Oh, yeah. I think you uh, you let me smell the pie one. The pie one. Was it the pumpkin pie? Pumpkin pie and the cranberry uh, yeah. bath bomb. Yeah, cranberry my favorite part of thanksgiving yeah, cranberries i know uh come back monday for our second episode on hunter s thompson there's gonna be more he's a weirdo there's gonna be more shit we're not done with his weird stuff i don't remember exactly what's in the second episode at some point fire extinguishers will come to play so <laughs> so wait for that uh wherever you're listening rate and review us subscribe uh, let us know what you think it, it really does help us out go to your local library your local independent bookstore buy a book from a local author from a local independent bookstore it's the best thing you can do to help them out uh, i haven't been saying this lately but uh, go to our show notes while you're listening to the show the links for uh, for a way to get all these books either buy or pre-order these books that we talk about there'll be a link for each of those and for all the authors, yes, I will put every all 40 authors for the Star Wars book in there. Um, a way to get a hold of them, either Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. We did email a couple times. I think one, we did a LinkedIn. Uh, so the easiest way to get a hold of the author so you can follow them or let them know what you think about what they do will be on there. Just click on it. Uh, I think that's about it. My fingers stopped bleeding. Told you not to let the cat in here. Guys, take care of yourselves and take care of one another. Between now and the time we get to talk to you again, do yourself a favor. Go open a fucking book. All right, we'll see you.